The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org slash give. Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 15. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell along thorns and the thorns grew up and it choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard, there the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in the time of testing fall away. And as for those who fell among the thorns, they are not those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I'll add my welcome to that of Will's. Uh, my name is Frank Hitchings. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that all of you are here to worship the Lord with us this morning. I uh, want to draw your attention, uh, even before we pray, uh, to the further up, further in resources that are printed every week. Um, uh, Jennifer Thompson works hard on these, and they are wonderful, very helpful, and you can get to them just by that little QR code on the bottom of the outline page. When I saw the outline today, I was like, no wonder I'm nervous about a communion homily trying to cover all this. So it might be, especially this week, that the further up, further in questions would be helpful. Uh, before we dive into this passage, though, let's pray together. Father, it is uh, a lot to cover in 20 minutes. We don't want to skip over your word. We don't want to uh, treat it lightly. We appreciate 
Lord, the testimony of Scripture that says that it is God-breathed, that it is useful for teaching and training and, and rebuking. It is useful, it is living and active, that it can penetrate our hearts. We need it to do that this morning. And if all we hear are the words of a pastor, that will not happen. So we ask for the presence and the work of your Spirit in our midst, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We've been in the Gospel of Luke for a while now, and so far... Uh, we've seen some very surprising responses to Jesus. Some of the folks that we would assume would readily accept Him, would readily embrace Him, actually want nothing to do with Him. And others that we might expect would want nothing to do with Him are actually drawn to Him. Think about it for a minute, the Pharisees and their followers. The Pharisees were the spiritual leaders uh, of the church in, in that day. They were the spiritual leaders who were serious about following God's law, and yet they were offended by Jesus. They were offended by His message of repentance, His message of forgiveness, and His message of free grace. They had worked hard for their righteousness. They didn't think they had much, if anything, to repent of. And then there are the scribes, uh, also experts in the law. They examined Jesus' miracles, and they concluded that Jesus was demon-possessed. Mark tells us that Jesus' own family thought he was losing it. I was reading the, the Gospel of Mark this week, and in Mark 3, verse 21, uh, after uh, some events, some teaching and some miracles, it says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. So the religious folks those that we might think readily would readily embrace him, reject him and oppose him, and the irreligious folks are drawn to him. That's what we've seen. The lepers, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the Samaritans, the marginalized, they're drawn to him. I was reading an old sermon this week of my friend Ligon Duncan from when he was at First Pres Jackson, and I love the way he put it. He said, you've got the weird and the wicked, the weird and the wicked, and they can't get enough of Jesus. They understand his message, they're responding from the heart, they're flocking to him. But not only do you have the weird and the wicked, you have the great and the good, and the great and the good want nothing to do with Jesus. It's a great description of what we've seen in Luke's gospel so far. But here's the question, how do we account for that? How do we explain these radically different responses to the exact same message they're hearing? Jesus is answering these questions in the passage we have before us this morning. We know the passage as the parable of the sower, as uh, the translators added that to our Bibles, uh, so we'd know what the, the next parable was about. You could may maybe more appropriately entitle it the parable of the four soils. This is the master parable. This is the parable that's key to understanding Jesus' teaching and preaching. And this is what we're going to look at uh, this morning. So if you look at your outline, we're going to go quickly through the first couple of points and then camp out longer in the third point. First, I want you to see the content of the parable. It's a familiar scene of a sower and his seed. Look at the first eight verses. <clears throat> Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, 
And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the hour of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Well, it's clear that Jesus' ministry is, att is attracting lots of people here. Great crowds were gathering. Whole towns would empty out to go hear him speak. And they had lots of different reasons for going. Some came with really very little spiritual interest at all. They're just curious to see this man that everybody's talking about, to, to see what all the fuss is about. Others came to try to catch him saying something that they could use to destroy him and discredit him. Others came maybe hoping to see a miracle or maybe hoping to receive a miracle. And then there were some who came to hear the man that they hoped that they believed just might be the long-awaited Messiah. So knowing all these people are gathered together, Jesus uses, tells this parable using this agricultural image, an image they'd all be familiar with in that day. A man with a seed bag is scattering seed as he walks along his field. You know, I was uh, cleaning out my garage not too long ago, and I have one of those cedars that you put the seed in and you crank it. You know, those high-tech things, right? But, uh, but that's not what these guys had. These guys, think back, how many of y'all had paper routes growing up? You got that big canvas paper bag and you throwing papers out of it. That's like this. They're just taking seed out of that bag and just slinging it everywhere. You see, farming in Jesus' day was a lot different than in our day. What do we do? We, we plow up the ground first, and then we carefully plant the seed. But in Jesus' day, they scattered the seed, and then they plowed. And Jesus said, some fell on a path, and some on rocky ground, and some on, on thorns or among thorns. And then he issues this mysterious pronouncement. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is speaking in parables. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. He's longing for his listeners to really hear and embrace him. But he also knew that not everyone had spiritual ears to hear. Not everyone could or would hear spiritual truth. And so there's the basic content, the basic content of the parable. But why did he teach in parables? Well, he's going to tell us that in the next the next few verses, the purpose of parables, and we're working towards the soil here, but the purpose of parables. Mark says in his account, he said, when they were alone, the disciples came and said, why are you teaching in parables? What does this mean? And look at his answer in verse 9. When the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So for others, they, being the secrets of the kingdom of God, are in parables. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. That's, when I first read that, I was like, I don't know how we're going to explain that in, in short order. But basically he's saying this. He's saying there are two groups of people in the world. 
There's one group uh, to whom the secrets of the kingdom of God have been revealed, and there's another group to whom the secrets of the kingdom of God have not been revealed. And it's important to realize that both these groups had the same message. They heard the same message. They had the same seed. But for one, that seed is transformative, and for the others, it is not. And he says, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. What he's doing, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. Do you remember uh, the sixth chapter of Isaiah is when Isaiah encounters the Lord in his holy temple in his vision? And the angels are flying around singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the end of that account, the Lord says this. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And do you remember Isaiah's response? Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. We tend to stop reading it right there. But the very next verses are what Jesus is is uh, speaking from it's the strangest commission ever given to a prophet imagine you're Isaiah and you're like okay Lord here I am send me here's the here's the commission this is what the Lord said he said go and tell this people be ever hearing but never understanding be ever seeing but never perceiving make the heart of this people calloused Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Isn't that a strange commission to give a a prophet? And we don't have time to go deeply into it, but here's basically what he's saying. He's saying to Isaiah, the people's repeated rejections of this clear and simple message of the gospel, their repeated rejections will in effect harden their hearts even more. He's saying, Isaiah, the more you preach the clear and simple message, the harder their hearts will be. So what's the purpose of the parables? Really, it's twofold. In your outline, it's it's listed this way, to reveal spiritual truths to receptive hearts and to conceal spiritual truths from hardened hearts, resulting in those hearts getting even harder. I don't know who said it, but I've known this... um, Quote, it may not be exactly right because I couldn't find it this week, but it's been said every time our hearts encounter the Word of God, every time we hear the Word of God, our hearts will either soften or harden. That's true. Every time we hear the Word of God, every time we encounter it and read it, our hearts will either soften or harden. They never remain neutral. So which is it for us? we come to worship today which is it for us are our hearts softening to the word or hardening to the things of God well that brings us really to the meat of the parable to the meaning of the parable look at verse 11 and we'll read this is Jesus explaining here's what I meant when I said that parable he said the parable is this the seed is the word of God the one along the path the ones along the path are those who've heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. <clears throat> the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, 
and bear fruit with patience. So as Jesus is explaining the parable, the meaning of the parable, the sower is obviously Jesus in this case, but I don't think he intends to limit it to himself. He's saying the sower is anyone who sows the Word of God, the message of the gospel. And notice this about the sower. Notice the sower is indiscriminately sowing his seed. The sower is not saying, I get to decide where I throw the seed and where I don't. The sower is not saying, I'm not going to waste my seed on this ground or that ground. I'm only going to put it on this ground. He's sowing all the time and he's sowing indiscriminately. If you think about Jesus' ministry, that's what it was like. Jesus sowed seeds of the gospel, of the message of the kingdom, with tax collectors and thieves, with beggars and prostitutes, with Pharisees and Sadducees, with very religious people and very irreligious people. He was always sowing indiscriminately. There's so much we could say about that, but just briefly in application there, let me say this, so it should be with us. Wherever we go, wherever we go, whoever we encounter, we should be sowing seed, the seed of the gospel. Sometimes that's, that's uh, verbally, literally sowing seeds of the gospel. And the question there would be, what kind of seed are we sowing? Is it good seed? Is it a good witness or a bad witness? But also, do we realize that it's not our place to look around and judge and say, I think that heart's going to be receptive I think that heart's likely to respond favorably, but that person over there, that guy's so far away from the kingdom, there's no point in sowing seed there. That's not how Jesus did it. The seed's the Word of God. The sower is Jesus or anybody who shares the message of the Word of God. And then the soil. This is where we need to dive in a little deeper. Here's the heart of the parable. Here's the heart of the parable where Jesus says there are four kinds of hearts. When it comes to hearing the word, there are four kinds of hearts. And he wanted his listeners that day to examine their own hearts and say, which one is true of me? And he begins with a description of the soil that he calls the path in verse 12. And he said, these are folks that hear the message, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Now, again, it would have been familiar to them in their day, not so much in our day, but farmers' fields in their day were long, narrow, uh, serpentine patches of land, strips of land, and they were separated by paths that over time would become very hard as people walked on the paths and animals walked on the paths and carts were drug over the paths, the, the hot sun uh, combined with all the traffic on, that, on those paths would make the path as hard as pavement. So when you scattered seed, it just didn't penetrate at all. The wind would blow it away and the birds would come and eat it. Jesus is saying this soil represents the hard heart, the, the unreceptive heart that's just so busy with the comings and goings of life that it's hardened in effect to the things of God. It's hard-packed. Got no room for God's Word. So there's the hard-packed path, the, the hard, unresponsive heart. But then he says there's also a heart that's like rocky ground. He says these are those who hear the Word and receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, in time, and in time of testing, they fall away. You know, again, that's one that's kind of hard for us because we live in East Tennessee where there is a lot of rocky ground and we know you don't sow seed on the rocks on Lookout Mountain. But Palestine is very different. 
In Palestine, there's a limestone base just under the surface of the ground covered by, much of it covered by just a few inches of soil. So you might look at it and think, man, that's going to be great farmland. But in reality, it's not at all. You can, you can throw the seed on it and it might sprout, but it won't last because it has no roots. The sun just scorches it. This rocky ground, it represents the shallow heart, the, the superficial heart. A heart that might embrace the gospel, as he says, even with joy and in some sort of a shallow fashion, but trouble comes and there's no roots. Troubles come or things don't go the way we think they should go. If we're going to call ourselves Christians and follow the Lord, we don't think we should have to have these problems. Pressures of life mount, opposition comes, and the, Jesus would say that shallow superficial heart, it just withers away and the seed dies. So they're the first two, the hard, unreceptive heart, the shallow, superficial heart, and then he talks about the thorny ground. He says in verse 14, for what fell among the thorns, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is the strangled heart. The seed gets, gets thrown out, it's, it's sown, it sprouts, it starts to grow, but so do the thorns, and they end up choking out the plant before it can produce fruit. And Jesus tells us exactly what those thorns are. He says they're the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And he's calling his listeners to beware of those things. You might say it's the strangled heart, or you might just say it's the divided heart. It's the heart that's crowded out by numerous other loyalties. It's crowded out by other loyalties competing for first place. This is the heart that's, uh, that's often caught up in the, in the keeping up with the Joneses. You've heard that phrase? You kind of wonder, like, if, you're, if you didn't grow up hearing that phrase, you go, what in the world does that mean? Keeping up with the Joneses. One writer put it this way, and I love this. He said, it's buying things we do not need with money we do not have to impress people we do not like. <laughs> it's pretty accurate, isn't it? Jesus is saying we're caught up in the cares and pursuing the cares and the pleasures of life. We endanger our souls. This is the heart, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, this is the heart that's trying to serve two masters. He says, no one can serve two masters. Jesus says, you'll hate the one and love the other. Or be devoted to the one and despise the other. But you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God. He can't be in first place. And the cares and the pleasures of life also be in first place. So we've seen the unreceptive heart. The superficial heart. The divided heart. But now let's look at the receptive heart. Verse 15 he says. As for that in the good soil. They are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the soil on which the seed of God's Word doesn't just bounce off because it's so hard. It doesn't just temporarily flourish only to shrivel under adversity. This is the soil that's not got divided loyalties and competing desires. This is the soil that welcomes and embraces God's Word and wrestles with it when they encounter it and struggle and disagree with it. They wrestle with it and submit to it. 
And the soil, this is the soil in which the seed can take deep root, is what Jesus is saying. And then it will produce fruit. It'll produce the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. This is the, the soul or the soil that will produce those good things with great patience. Jesus is saying that's the heart that's truly receptive to the things of God. So what's the meaning? What's the meaning of the parable? Before we apply it, what's the meaning? It's simply this. God's truth yields abundant harvest when it falls on fertile hearts. I'll say it again. God's truth yields abundant harvest when it falls on receptive hearts, on fertile hearts. So here's the question. What kind of heart do we have? I mean, we can only examine our hearts individually, but what kind of heart, if we're really honest, what kind of heart do we have? Is it a hard heart that needs to be plowed up? Is it a superficial heart or a thorny heart that's divided between pursuing God and pursuing the best that the world has to offer? The cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, I want those things, but I also want God. Or is this the, the heart that, that, that's on fertile soil, good soil, that's, that's continuing to receive the Word of God as it's planted and nurtures and grows and produces fruit? What kind of heart do we really have? Because the bottom line is this, our hearts have to be made ready. We can't make our hearts ready. Our hearts must be made ready to receive the truth of God, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. We can't do that for ourselves. So how do we get hearts of good soil? How do we get hearts of good soil? Quickly, just by two things, and then I'll close. First, first our hearts must be regenerated. We can't just take the Word of God and rigorously apply it to our lives and, and have good soil. Our hearts have to be made new, have to be regenerated. If you're taking notes, write down Ezekiel 36, 26, and read the verses before it and after it. Read the commitment of God to do that work in His people. Listen to what He says in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you... I will give you a heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. God will do that for us. That's the first step. The spirit of the living God must regenerate our hearts if our hearts are to be good soil. Have you asked him to do that work of grace in your heart? There's a second step, though. The second step of a heart made of good soil is our hearts must be continually softened and nurtured and grown and plowed by the Spirit. We call that sanctification. The ongoing work of God's free grace where He renews us, He makes us new, where He enables us more and more to die to sin and live for righteousness as revealed in His Word. We have to have both those things, a new heart and the ongoing work of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, I'll close with this, said in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but God's the one who made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. 
My prayer for, for all of us is that our gracious God on this day, on this Sabbath day, that we would take a time out this afternoon and actually rest spiritually and engage with God and he would show us what kind of hearers of the word of God we really are. What are the hearts, what are, what are the soil of our hearts, what's it really like? Not what we might want it to be or overestimate it to be, but what are our hearts really like? And if you're with us today and you know that your heart has not been made new, my prayer is that this would be the day that you would ask God to do that work of grace and if you know your heart has been made new but you also know that you're dulling a bit and hardening a bit towards the word that you would ask them to continue to plow it up and make it more and more receptive is to his truth for that's the only way that we can live lives that would bring him glory let's pray together father it is a lot to cover in just a few minutes but we thank you for parables like this, parables that are even interpreted for us by Jesus himself, parables that cause us to slow down and look at our own hearts and see what our hearts are really like. We know ultimately, Lord, it's even a work of your grace that we can look at our own hearts and understand them. And we do pray, Lord, that you would give us time on this Lord's Day, before the day is over, to be alone with you and to wrestle with those questions and to see what our hearts are like in terms of receiving the Word of God. And we ask, Lord, that you would work deeply in us, that you would work deeply, that wherever we go, if we name the name of Christ, wherever we go, we would realize that indeed we are sowing seeds. Whether it's the grocery or a restaurant or our friends or our small group or even church, and help us to sow the good seed of the good news of the kingdom of God, that salvation is available for people just like us, only through Jesus. We pray this in his name alone. Amen.